0: Hey there! Welcome to the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. I'm Adela, the founder of PBC, and in today's episode, I speak with Eric Jones. Eric is the creator of the Hurt Your Brain website and newsletter, which explores the best places to learn on the internet. He also curated the PBC podcast playlist for this month. The theme is creativity, and you can find the episodes included on the playlist at podcastbrunchclub.com/creativity. But before we start. I want to give a quick overview of what PBC is. It's a community first and a podcast second. Podcast Brunch Club itself is like Book Club, but for podcasts. We have groups all over the world who meet in person. They meet to discuss a thematic podcast playlist that we send out monthly via our newsletter. The PBC podcast is very meta and sort of a mini discussion between myself and a PBC member. So go to podcastbrunchclub.com to sign up. Membership is free and easy. And for a more in-depth explanation of PBC and a little of the backstory, go back and listen to episode zero of this podcast. So as I mentioned earlier, Eric Jones is my guest on this episode. He curated the podcast playlist and included three episodes. One was a 99% invisible episode called The Mind of an Architect. Creativity wasn't always the mini industry that it is today. In the 1950s, The thought of systematically studying something as nebulous as creativity was seen as absurd. This episode explains how studying the minds of leaders in creative fields, particularly architecture, opened the doors to using science for exploring the creative process. Next was the TED Radio Hour podcast episode entitled The Source of Creativity. A good TED Radio Hour episode is like getting a crash course on the landscape of an idea. And this one on creativity gives you four completely different perspectives to help you navigate. You have Sting the musician, Charles Lem the scientist, Ken Robinson the educator, and Elizabeth Gilbert the author. Finally, the playlist features the Magic Lessons podcast episode 12, entitled Brene Brown on Big Strong Magic. This show is from author Elizabeth Gilbert, author of E! Pray Love, and serves as a promotional lead-up to her book, upcoming book on creativity called Big Magic, which came out last fall. The first season is comprised of five different conversations with people who need some creative inspiration in their lives, with each followed by a conversation with one of Gilbert's famous pals to get some additional thoughts. The final episode of season one with Brene Brown, who has researched shame for over a decade contains a fantastic conversation on creativity from two people who have thought and written extensively on this topic. So those are the episodes Eric and I discuss. As you listen to the episodes and my discussion with Eric, think about what you want to add to the conversation. If you have any reflections to share or want to comment on anything, record a voice memo on your phone and send it to podcast at podcastbrunchclub.com. Include your name and location if you want, And if I get enough of these voice memos, I hope to create bonus episodes with community commentary every month. I hope this will serve as a way to further engage the entire PBC community. Finally, as I mentioned in previous episodes, please bear with me if the audio quality is subpar. I'm still working on figuring out the best technical setup. Now, without further ado, here is my discussion with Eric. And stay tuned until the very end as I'll tell you how to find the list of episodes for the next PVC theme, which will be climate change. So thanks, Eric, for joining me. Um, I wanted to just give you a quick second to tell everybody who you are and what your project is all about.
1: Sure. Well, thanks, Adela. I am super excited to be part of this because I always appreciate the chance to talk about podcasts because I'm a podcast super nerd like everybody else, and... The project that I have is called Hurt Your Brain and it's a newsletter and website where the whole goal is to explore how to learn on the internet and my idea is to apply like a learning filter to the internet. So basically what would the internet look like if if you tried to only go for things that uh, you know taught you a little bit about how the world worked, made you feel a little bit smarter and I'm obsessed with podcasts so a big part of what I talk about our podcast. So every week I send out a newsletter and I focus on the podcasts, uh, videos, uh, links, or any other parts of the internet that I feel like if you listen to or watch will just help you understand how the world works. So it's a lot of science, a lot of, you know, big picture ideas that I go for. um, And like uh, like the name implies, you know anything that makes your brain hurt i think is a good feeling
0: yeah <laughs> yeah how long have you been doing it
1: so i've been i started probably 2 years ago and that's when i discovered how long and hard it is to to write a big article so the first thing i actually did was write an article about uh, i think it was called the uh supersized podcast playlist and i was trying to find all the podcasts out there that could really um Teach you something about the world. So you know the obvious ones like Radiolab, and I think it was right after Serial came out. So I was excited to talk about Serial and and use that as leverage to talk about some lesser known shows. So I wrote that, and then I started writing an article like every four months, and that didn't feel very satisfying. So now I do a weekly newsletter that allows me to just quickly talk about the things I've discovered over the past week, and it's a lot more fun to to share and recommend and just discuss the stuff that uh, I love talking about.
0: Yeah. And I can vouch for it. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) Thank you. You have like, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. You have links to YouTube videos, podcasts, you kind of really scour the internet. I'd love to talk to you more about at some point about, um, about how you go about like, what's your process? Cause that's that. I mean, I remember back when I was um, curating all of the lists for podcast brunch club every month and it was a lot of work. Yeah. And I was only doing that once a month. So you're doing it every week. And That's, that's, that's a lot of work. And, so.
1: and it's something that like any habit, it starts off just feeling overwhelming and slow. And then I've slowly gotten a process and a big part of it is, uh, well, it's kind of silly. My, my podcast apps, I have so many podcast apps that I use, some for discovery, some for listening. And, I have so many sources of information of, of how I get things and it was overwhelming at first. And now I'm kind of used to, you know, I subscribe to actually the biggest source is other newsletters. I subscribe to probably 200 newsletters. So a lot are podcasts, some are news, some are, you know, various interests. So it's just an easy way to uh, get the stuff that I'm interested in sent directly to me without having to scour the web too much.
0: Yeah, Totally. Um so let's let's move on to the to the listening list you created, which is awesome. It's all about creativity. And the first question I had for you was what, you know, what was the impetus for you choosing that theme? What was compelling about that theme for you?
1: So I've I feel like largely due to podcasts, I've slowly become more and more interested in creativity. So when I was trying to think of a topic, I saw the list of topics that you were interested in as well. And in creativity really jumped out at me because I think my views on creativity has really changed over the years and I wanted an excuse. So a lot of things I do, I feel like are just creating excuses for myself to learn about something. So I really wanted an excuse to to learn more about creativity and to dig deep into uh, this as a theme. And that's actually one of the things I love about Podcast Brunch Club is uh, the themes because it could be so overwhelming. There's so many podcasts, so many niches and so much out there. It's nice to have some guardrails to focus the conversation a little bit. Um, but uh, spe- uh, specifically with creativity, I think growing up, I just, I never felt like I was a creative person. I just never felt like I had that in my DNA. I always saw creativity as a binary thing where you're either creative or you're not. And, you know, if you're natural at drawing, you're natural at music or writing, that means you're just a creative person. And if, if, that stuff doesn't come naturally to you, then, then you're not. But over the years, especially listening to the story of other creative people, um, I've come to realize that creativity is something that absolutely can be uh, practiced. You can do a lot with it. And I think some of the podcasts that I discovered uh, digging into this list really helped me refine my ideas on exactly what's possible with creativity. And it's, it's kind of exciting because I think... Uh, one of the episodes, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert said that creative people is a redundant phrase because everybody's creative. And that was one of the things yeah. that really stood out to me.
0: Yeah. And actually, you just reminded me because um, I know when we were talking before I we hit the record button, that you were telling me that you're in pharmaceutical sales, do a lot of of driving, and we were talking about how maybe that job's not super creative, and maybe your Hurt Your Brain newsletter is an outlet for you to get a little creative, do a little bit of writing, but also curation. But I also, I was on your website today, and I noticed that you do drawings, too. Yes. (laughs) So that's really fun. Quote, unquote, drawings. No, but I was looking at them. They're awesome. I mean... I, I didn't realize that until I read your, um, your about me or about Paige that you had decided you wanted to start drawing. So now you you ditched all this, the stock photography that everybody relies on and you went for it on your own. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And it, it's it's been fun. And actually that fits perfectly with this too, because growing up, you know, my, both of my brothers actually were more naturally talented at drawing. Their drawings were just 10 times better than mine. And I just assume that I just, and I still feel that way a little bit that I'm not that creative when it comes to drawing, but I now know that if I, if I practice it and have a lot of interest in it, I absolutely can grow the skill and get better and better. And one of the things I've come to realize too, is that there's no better way to to learn something than to just jump right into it. So I feel like putting myself out there and saying that I'm not going to put anything on the website that's not created by me, it kind of forces me to practice and there's no better, uh, impetus to practice than shame, <laughs> by, shame. by not improving or, or actually following through yeah. with what you say publicly that you'll do. So right. it's been fun. And the, the website is just an outlet to to practice a lot of things that I'm interested in.
0: Yeah. And actually, now that you're bringing up shame, that reminds me of what Brene Brown, who is an expert in shame, yes. was talking about on the podcast Magic Lessons with, um, with Elizabeth Gilbert and how you, I mean, it's interesting because you just turned it around and sort of used shame as almost as a a kick in the pants. Right. You know, you, you turned it around. You didn't let it get you down. You turned it around and made it...
1: A badge of honor. You know, oh. work for you. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. But she talked a lot. I mean, she's an expert in shame. And if anybody's seen her um, TED Talk, it's amazing. And it's all about shame.
1: Yes. And I, I actually had seen a TED Talk um sometime last year. And it is amazing. That's why when... I knew I wanted a, one of the episodes to be from Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast because, first of all, I recommend listening to that whole uh, series that she did, the the Big Magic um, or Magic Lessons podcast. All, all those episodes were great. And the, when I saw that Brene Brown was one of the guests, I, I knew that it would probably be a special one. And I think it absolutely was. and And let me say that I don't think I would have considered myself in Elizabeth Gilbert's uh, demographic before listening to her <laughs> podcast. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan now. I never read any of her books, but I love uh, her thoughts on creativity and, and her, everything yeah. she does from a podcast standpoint.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because I probably am in her demographic and I'm going to say something that might get me some hate now <laughs> on my second podcast ever. <laughs> but, um, I hated Eat, Pray, Love.
1: Oh, really? Okay. So, I mean, that's I all I knew her from, and I just knew the yeah. you know stereotypical stuff with that book, but didn't really know what it was about. So, you honestly yeah. didn't I, care for it.
0: I just, I mean, I thought it was a nice story, but it just like the the absolute hype that surrounded it. I was just not into. And I, I mean, I'm a little bit of I'm a little bit that way. I sort of go the opposite way when everybody's going one way. Just sometimes, just to spite everybody, just it's a fault, <laughs> I will not lie. But um I just felt like it was really self-indulgent. I mean, she had this, you know, she had this horrible thing happen her. She her marriage fell apart. And she had the ability to just take off and leave and spend a year or however long she was um, you know, away doing these intense and crazy things. And I get how ins- inspiring, but I just didn't, I did not understand the hype, but I'm like you in that I became a total, total convert when I saw her, uh, Ted talk. Mm. So sh- her Ted talk was featured in your, um, in the Ted radio hour, uh, source of creativity podcast that you included in your, in your playlist. But I would totally recommend everybody go and find Elizabeth Gilbert's, the full talk, the full TED Talk because it's really amazing. She talks about the creative process in a way that I have never heard it talked about before. She talked a little bit about it. Did you have you?
1: No, actually, there? I love TED Talks, uh, but I I didn't see her full one, so I'm definitely doesn't does she have more than one?
0: I think she has. She might have another one.
1: Either way, I'll just I know watch she both. has <laughs> the
0: the one. Yeah, I mean, they're 15 minutes, but Brene Brown has one. And then Elizabeth Gilbert has one. And I liked both of them. But Elizabeth Gilbert's was really interesting about the way she talked about creativity being... You know, she talked a little bit about it in both Magic Lessons and in the TED Radio Hour podcast that you put on the playlist. But, um, you know, how it's a job. You know, she goes to work every day and she plows through. Um, yeah. And, and I thought that was interesting. And,
1: and one of the... I don't know if it was... I don't think it was the the one with Brene Brown, but one of the episodes that uh, she did in her magic lessons podcast, she at one point said that uh, for 10 years, she was the only one that called herself a writer until it took 10 years later Then other people started finally calling her a writer as well. And I think that approach and a lot of, she has a lot of really golden nuggets of creativity and it goes along with the idea that, uh, you know, she had confidence in herself. Uh, It's not like she just sat down, wrote a book, and was a famous author a year later. So I love hearing stories about people who just had some sort of grit and and confidence in what they're doing and just stuck with it. And I think, you know, sitting down and doing the work and practicing is a big part of, of being creative. And and I definitely would not have thought those things, you know, 10 years ago, I would have definitely been, you know, all she had a creative spark and she just is lucky like that and was able to pursue it. And it's, it's nice to get, uh, the perspective from people telling their full story uh through podcasts
0: totally so i i was as i was listening to some of these podcasts and talking to you and t- hearing that you're your brothers you have two brothers and they were both you both you think they're both kind of more naturally creative yeah maybe, especially with
1: music they're both yeah. very good with music i i tried probably six musical instruments when i was younger and just they didn't stick and that goes into my early narrative too about creativity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A little, probably a little bit about some, maybe having been shamed. <laughs> I don't know. Some wasn't that something that there's a statistic about 85% of people who.
1: Yes, it was. Uh, Brene Brown talked about, cause she researches shame and, and vulnerability. And, and she said that uh, the people that she talked to, I think it was 85% of them said that they have a clear memory of, somebody making a comment that stuck with them and changed the way they saw themselves for the rest of their life. And, and 50% of those had something to do with creativity. So just an offhanded comment or, or something negative and on the spot just immediately changed what they thought of themselves. And, and I actually, I do. I'm curious if, if you have anything that fits that research thing, but I definitely do that. I don't mind sharing.
0: I can't, think of anything i've always been encouraged to be creative but i don't my mom is always super creative my mom's probably one of the most creative people i know so it was always a good thing but i also i don't know i'd be i'm curious to hear what your story is but i also want to hear from you if you think there's maybe a difference between how uh women and men might experience like that sort of shaming around creativity
1: and i think especially when it comes to sports. I know and and actually as a parent, so I have two young kids, uh one boy, one girl and and I, I try to be very conscious of it. It's very easy to to talk to them a certain way and even if you don't mean it, you, it's just you talk to you know, I talk to my son one way and my daughter another and I try to t- treat them pretty similarly, but I think our culture just you can't get around it sometimes and mm-hmm. and I would love to know more about what the actual research says around it, but I would not be surprised if there's definitely some kind of split when it comes to, to gender. Um, but the, the one, the one story that stands out in my mind, I think I was in 10th grade and, and it's not necessarily creativity, but it's just some, it shows how one comment can really stick with you for a long time. I, it was, uh, in English class and I think I was standing up and had to give a quick answer or presentation about something. And, One of the kids at my table said, uh, it's like, Eric, you should uh, definitely never be a teacher. That was terrible. (laughs) And and he was making a joke, but, and I didn't have plans of being a teacher, but I don't know what it is about (laughs) that, but it still sticks with me as something that uh, definitely shifted the way I thought of myself because I wasn't thinking of being a teacher, but it certainly prevented me from thinking of going down that path uh, once I hit college. So I think that kind of stuff is common for, for kids when it comes to, you know, how they see themselves.
0: I think, so I think that there's just something about humans just in general. I feel like people take way more seriously the negative comments they hear about themselves than the positive ones. And it just leaves a mark that never goes away. And meanwhile, I'm sure people said at the same, you know, maybe even in the same day to you, all these positive things that immediately you forgot, but you just remember the one yep. negative thing. Yep. And I think there's something definitely to that, too, is there's just a, a weird, a weird human condition where we tend to remember those negative things. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of anthropological reason why we do that. Maybe, you know, the whole, you know, you have to be in a tribe kind of thing. And so you have to compare your and. Keep up, or else you'll get kicked out of the tribe. And so, any negative yeah. comments could be really detrimental to your, you know, survival because if you get kicked out of the tribe, then
1: yeah, you're, you're probably exactly right because a lot of that just weird behavior we have just you can trace back to you know just tribal social behavior.
0: Yeah, but it's true. Like I don't remember a lot of the positive comments I got as a kid, but I do remember negative ones. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And then so. I always notice you see famous people that. Are active on social media or just have a big presence. They always make comments about, you know, the trolls are the ones that stick with them, where they get tons of positive feedback, lots of love, and then it's just it takes a couple people to say a couple comments. And so it was just very interesting, as and it stood out to me during that podcast where she talked about that statistic because uh, I I think it's important for for people to realize that if you simply view yourself as a creative person. That's all it takes. I think it's just a simple switch. You can flip in your mind and, and then you can start being a creative person. You don't have to, you know, get any kind of special degree or any kind of, uh, permission, except the permission that you give yourself, which I think is super interesting.
0: And it's hard enough to give yourself permission. Yeah. You know, sometimes, I mean, we were talking about this too earlier that that whole, I think Elizabeth Gilbert may have said this in the, ted radio hour podcast about how done is better than good and that's a phrase that i had never heard ex- until about a week ago i heard it on a totally different podcast um and it framed in a different way it says done is better than perfect mm-hmm. and for me that really really hits home because of exactly what we're doing right now recording this podcast i i I'm so nervous about this. I don't want to put anything out that's not good. And I have to watch how much I say like and um. And I'm super self-critical. And, um, you know, I'm and I'm beating myself up over stuff to the point where I just delayed and delayed and delayed doing it and finally hit that point where I was thinking to myself, OK, if I don't you know, it's never going to be perfect. I don't. I honestly don't think perfect exists.
1: Yeah, and I think that think about how many people don't start a podcast because they're afraid. And I think there's something to, you know, if something makes you a little bit fearful, I think it's worth uh, running towards it a little bit and just mm-hmm. kind of jumping in. So I think it's awesome that. And actually, I have to admit, I I did find online a, a podcast that you had been on uh, last year. Oh, really? And during that, which one? Uh it was uh pod to pod is that a podcast oh yes uh yeah you had mentioned that you were looking to start a podcast soon so it was funny hearing i was like oh that's awesome that she you know here it is she's she's doing it
0: yeah it's so funny because that was back when i thought i was going to launch it you know in for international podcast day which was september 30th (laughs) and you know it just goes to show you how long it takes to actually just get enough courage up to do it and sort of set that fear aside and hope that everybody's going to be forgiving of any mistakes I make. And if there's criticism that it's constructive criticism and I can help, you know, it'll help me refine the process or whatever. But, you know, I feel like that's something I've only really recently learned is that just, just do it. Just put one foot in front of the other. It does not have to be perfect. It doesn't even really have to be good. Right. Just, just, take that first step and then you'll figure out, you know, where the next step goes. But if you don't take the first step, you're never going to get to the 10th step. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And actually, when you emailed me about uh, being a guest, uh, my very first thought was like, oh my God, that's scary. But I, I replied <laughs> before I could think about it. I was like, yeah, I'd love to because I've been a fan of podcasts for so long and I've always wondered what it would be like. And And sometimes you just, you can't think too much about it because you'll psych yourself out.
0: I think that's also true about it, about the whole, you know, being creative or doing, you know, achieving goals is that in some ways it's better to just almost act first and think later, you know, just just do it. And then and then, you know, think later and be like, oh, what was it? What was I thinking? Why would I why (laughs) would I promise a podcast, you know, and and then you have to shrug your shoulders and just go forward because you already promised it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I think I think podcasts. To me anyway, I feel like there's such an inspirational form of of media that uh, it drives me crazy when people that I know, I try to talk to about podcasts and they give me a blank stare and they don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Even I consider myself kind of on the older side of being a millennial and it's amazing how a lot of my tech savvy friends who, who drive a lot, who love to learn, still kind of are puzzled by <laughs> what podcasts are, but I think they're just such an awesome way to get inspired by uh, trying to be creative because I think so many of the interview shows that I like to listen to, a lot of them have creative people or successful people, even like entrepreneur types. Uh, They can just be inspiring hearing their journey and their story. And so many times I'll listen to an interview and it just kind of gets me fired up to do something creative or or do something a little bit different. So I feel like podcasts are kind of a good... Uh, creative uh, environment to
0: and I feel like it's a lot more passive than reading or um, you know because you could first of all multitask when you're listening to a podcast and doing the dishes listening to a podcast and driving a car you can't read and drive a car at the same time yeah I actually look forward to mowing along because I'll listen
1: to (laughs) podcasts as I do it you can always sneak in a little bit at a time what's that So you could always sneak in a little bit of uh time to listen to a podcast
0: totally i mean i listen to it when i you know i just put my phone on if i'm in the shower or if i'm you know as i'm getting ready for work or whatever it's like you little pieces of time i'm walking from my car to the office it's 10 minutes but i could still get get some stuff in rather than just I don't know. People listen to podcasts they're the, the, at the grocery store.
1: <laughs> I know. There's a lot you know? of times where I, I'm like, man, I, I'd wish I'd like to, or I, I'd rather be listening to a podcast, but I guess I should uh, interact and not be, <laughs> not be rude, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I love it. So yeah. I, uh, I'm curious if I can ask you a question about, um, the podcast on the list. W- was there anything that was your favorite as far as, sta- uh, standing out to you any moments?
0: So, the TED Radio Hour podcast, um, Sir Ken Robinson, mm-hmm. have you seen his TED Talk?
1: No, but they did mention that apparently, or at least as of when that podcast came out, that it was the most popular ever.
0: Yeah, it is. He's amazing. I, I, you have, like, when we get off the phone, you have got to go and watch that podcast. Okay. It is, he's, hilarious i mean he's got this very awesome sense of humor very self-deprecating very dry but i mean he talks about how and um you know he talked they talked to the to the prima ballerina or the the woman that was in the royal ballet or on the board of the royal ballet yeah about how she i'm gonna recap it just for people who may not have um listened to the podcast before we, before our listening to our discussion. But basically this, this girl, when she was seven, her teacher said, you know, she's not paying attention there. She's got some sort of learning disability. Her mom takes her to a therapist of some sort and the therapist essentially watches her and in the, in the Ted, in the Ted talk itself, Um, Ken Robinson goes into more detail about what that looked like. And he, I guess the therapist kind of came out of the room and there was a window that you could look in the room. And as soon as, um, the, you know, the therapist left the room, went to the mother and said, just watch your daughter. He had turned on Mm -hmm. the radio and she was up and about and dancing and doing stuff. And he looked at the mom and said, you're, there's nothing wrong with your daughter. She's just a dancer. And she was talking about how she just learns better by moving. You know, she needs to move to think and, you know, and, and she could have easily just ended up on, you know, pills or drugs or whatever they had at the time, you know, some special class, but she ended up in the Royal Ballet and and she was, but didn't
1: she, uh, create the dance for a lot of, uh, was it, uh, other plays?
0: Yeah. They said cats. She like choreographed cats. Yes. Um, yeah. So, and his point is that as children grow up and how old are your kids?
1: So, uh, this fall they'll be two and four. So pretty young.
0: Okay. So is the four year old in school?
1: Yeah. He's in preschool.
0: preschool. Um, you know, he talks about how in preschool, you know, they're they're playing with toys, they're dancing, they're singing, they're doing all these things, they're running around. And then, like, as they grow older, education focuses more and more above the neck. Mm-hmm. There's this, you know, this cutoff line. They're, they don't care about the rest of the body. It's just what's above the neck that matters. And, you know, why? Why should that be? There are people that might learn tactile you know from tactile interactions or movement or audio or visual or this or that right and there's all these different learning styles and you know mass education has made you know is is a great thing for sure but it makes it a bit more difficult to personalize an educational experience yeah for and
1: i loved his comment about this school pretty much uh teaches the creativity out of you like it kind of yeah. <laughs> sucks it out of you and and actually yeah. that it, that comment reminded me of I'm a huge fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson uh and I don't know where I saw it but he he made a comment that you know kids are born scientists too like they love to explore uh you know every time you tell a kid not to jump in the puddle it kind of teaches them not to be creative or explore the world a little bit cuz you know kids they'll jump in a puddle and they can learn about you know, the way he phrased it was, you can learn about, uh, you know, fluid dynamics and and what happens when you do that. And, and if, if you just keep telling kids to stop it and to, you know, sit, sit up straight and not move around, I think it's easy to, to suck the creativity out of them. Yeah, And, uh, it's definitely harmful for once they get into the real world.
0: Yeah. I also really liked how he talked about, um, I think he called it, um, inflation, educational inflation, and how, you know, the master's degree is a new bachelor's degree, mm. the PhD is a new master's degree. And, you know, it's really, you know, the bachelor's degree is almost a high school right. diploma now. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, too, because for me, that really hit home because I actually do have my master's degree, but I have my master's degree in international education. My bachelor's degree is in finance. Mm. And after having graduated and, and I graduated at a great time. I'm going to date myself here, but I graduated in 19, 1998 nice. and I, I graduated in the middle of the dot com boom. So I got snatched up like that. Anybody that had a, a degree was snatched up. Right. And I started working for a consulting firm and they taught me how to code and do all this like stuff that I had never learned in school. And then. I, I kind of was like, oh, my God, I've learned so much more in one year on the job than I ever did in t- 16 years behind a desk in a classroom that I will never go back to school. I was like, that is it for me. I'm not I will do all of my learning. I love learning.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: But yeah, I mean, I think it's the greatest thing in the world. I just don't think you have to do it behind a desk.
1: Yeah, with a I, compl- professor. I completely agree. and I think. I I see it talked about a lot. So I think people are starting to understand that the most important thing that school does is teaches effective school teaches you how to learn. So like learning how to learn is something that uh, I didn't think about until I saw it mentioned a bunch. And I know a lot of people don't really think about the process of learning. It's not necessarily the little bits of information. It's just, okay, if I need to learn something new and the economy is moving really fast, how do I pick up this new information effectively? And I think that, uh, that's something that's super important, especially with the way things are going now. And like you're saying, it's, it's awesome able to get through school and then almost create your own curriculum using the internet. As long as you're motivated yeah. and, and you kind of know how to learn, you can right go down any path you want. But when,
0: right. when the, I mean, I'm a huge fan of, you know, figuring stuff out yourself because, you know, it's way more meaningful but also experiential education and so at the end of the day i like i said i railed against going back to school but then september 11th happened and i just i was actually in dc at the time and i became really interested in international i mean i had always been very international my parents are both not from the united states my dad is Israeli my mother is british we traveled a lot when i was a kid um but You know, I I felt very strongly at the time that I I was like, everybody needs to study abroad. This is an imperative. We cannot let kids graduate from college without having studied abroad. I I think it's insane that you can graduate from college without having studied a language or taken a world history class. And you can Yeah, especially when you look at the rest of the
1: world. uh, Most countries put a lot of emphasis on traveling as part of school. I guess it's easy when you're in Europe, you can go to other countries, but I agree. I think it's super important.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, you're not just, you know, going to party. I mean, I did (laughs) when I studied abroad, but I learned geography and I learned language and I learned, you know, culture and I, and I didn't learn it sitting behind a desk. I didn't learn it by hearing some fuddy-duddy tell me like, oh, these are all the things that you need to know for the test tomorrow. You know, I learned it because I had to go do it. Yeah. And so there's like an element to experiential education that I think is undervalued in in society. No, I completely agree. I think
1: the hands-on – because same for me is – it's so funny. Like I'm so interested in, in learning with podcasts and other things now because I feel like in school I got decent grades because, you know, I did the typical cramming the night before got the good grade Mm -hmm. and I forgot it a week later. Uh, but the, the further I get away from school, the more I'm interested in actually remembering that stuff. And, and I think when you do it on your own and and you learn the things, uh, through hands-on experience, because even big ideas like history and economics and science, there's different ways to, to learn that in the real world in a more experiential way, like, like you said. And I think that, Um, that's 10 times more valuable than, you know, Mm -hmm. reading a textbook or sitting at a desk.
0: And I think the other theme, the, another theme that sort of came out in a lot of the podcasts that we listened to were, was like how creativity and the fear of failure are linked and how failure is sort of, it's always looked at as a four letter word, you know, don't fail, you can't fail, but there's so much learning that happens when you're unsuccessful at something. Yeah. And, and I feel like there's just this element of everybody has to be perfect. Everybody has to do things this way. And you're not, you're not given license to try something different and fail. But like they said, if you never fail, you'll never create anything new.
1: Yeah. And when you hear successful people talk, it's always, they always say that the most important lessons they've had are the failures. You never hear somebody who, has done a lot with her life that never hit any kind of roadblock, never stumbled along the way. So it's always it's always nice to be reminded of that.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to turn the question back on you. Of all of the podcasts, is there anything specifically that really hit home with you?
1: I think the, the part that uh, stuck with me was in the, uh, the TED Radio Hour with Elizabeth Gilbert. That was kind of like the, her little snippet as part of that podcast was uh, one of the first times I heard her. I was like, wow, she's, uh, I like what she has to say. And and one of the things that really hit home with me is at one point she said, uh, don't follow your passion, follow your curiosity. And I love that because I'm the type of person who, when people talk about their passion, I've always been like, well, I don't know what I'm yeah. super passionate about. Like I, I have a lot of interests and, you know, if I was super passionate, I'd probably be an expert at something some kind of creative skill. So it goes back to feeling like you're not creative because you don't have that thing that you're can, can show off. But following your curiosity, I think is something that we can all do because who's not curious about something. And if you just follow those steps in the path of, uh, you know, exploring something, you never know what it's going to lead to. And and maybe you jump onto something else. But uh, Mm -hmm. I, I think that's just an awesome way to, to frame instead of following your passion.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that also hit me really deeply because I always consider myself a jack of all trades, master of none. Right. But I don't want to be a master of anything. I don't want to pigeonhole myself into one topic because I feel like that would limit me in learning all about these other things that I like. Yeah. I like to dabble. And there's this actually, I'm going to have to go back and look. Um, at what it is, but it's another TED talk. I feel like that's all we're talking about is TED talks, but <laughs> there was a TED talk and it was about this. And, um, <laughs> she coined the phrase multi potentialite," meaning that, you know, you don't have one thing that you are meant to do. It's not like a soulmate, you know, right. there's not this one thing that you're meant to do and you just have to discover it. And then everything will be, you know, flowers and rainbows. It's, you know, there are people and there are people like that, that they have one thing that they're super interested in. They want to dig deep and that's great. But there's also the value of the other people who are what she calls multi potentialites. And they just have these areas that they're interested in. They want to kind of maybe not dig as deep, but, you know, explore.
1: Well, I'll put that uh I'll add that to my vocabulary because I like that. <laughs>
0: I know I loved it. I was like, I'm a multi potential like that's what I am.
1: <laughs> and I, I think it goes like I I'm very interested in science, but I don't I don't think I could ever be a good scientist because you have to go down such a very focused and narrow path that I feel like I'd be too interested in and in wanting to explore other things. So I like the idea of like a journalist versus you know uh, you know PhD who is you know the big the most uh the biggest expert in the world on one single hyper specific topic i think it's it's fun to to follow your curiosity into all sorts of directions
0: yeah you know what we didn't talk about one podcast and i do want to just talk about it for a little bit and that was the 99 sure. percent invisible podcast yes so what um what did you find interesting about that podcast and
1: so that was that was the one i had actually heard that when it first came out um, I think over a year ago. So when I was thinking about any podcast I'd already listened to that involves creativity, that one came to mind because, you know, it's called the mind of an architect and you wouldn't think that has anything to do with creativity, but I just found it fascinating because almost anything 99% invisible does, they do it in a way that's pretty fascinating. So I thought it was just really interesting to see, you know 50 60 years ago the idea of creativity like we're talking about today they would have been like what are you going on about it would have been completely foreign like the idea of developing your creativity or being able to look at it from a personality standpoint would have been something they wouldn't have known how to wrap their head around so the the thing that set that ball in motion to create the creativity industry is what they explored with the, the IPAR experiment and yeah. looking at different creative types and, and what made them tick. And I just thought it was a really interesting way to get a foundation on what all these other podcasts even had as uh you know, why were you even able to have this conversation? Yeah. So I, I always think it's important to have a context around things. So that I think that provides good uh, context and it was just a fascinating episode to me.
0: Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you have two kiddos to get back to, um, but we're going to try something new. We're going to do a little segment, and I prepped you for this. Awesome. So um, so the original question I asked you was, um, what is your favorite episode of all time? And then I decided to sort of refine it, but I didn't give you much notice. And that would be, what is your fi- favorite podcast and then of that podcast, what's a good place to start? So you choose whichever one w- you want or both, if you think you can do both.
1: Um, you know, I'll do a quick plug for both because I just love talking about podcasts. Okay. <laughs> so, um, My favorite episode of all time uh, is something from Hardcore History, which I know a lot of people are aware of Hardcore History. Uh, it's a little intimidating because if you look at the... The feed, each episode is a couple hours long, and each episode is part of a longer series. But uh, the first thing I ever listened to, and it was kind of early in my uh, dabbling in podcasting, was the Wrath of the Cons series. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever heard of any of Hardcore History.
0: I have. I know of Hardcore History, but I'm exactly what you described. I saw three hours, and I was like, <laughs> it's uh-uh. like,
1: nope, nope, thanks. <laughs> so... I think it's the best because uh, you look at it, it's like there's no way I'm gonna listen to this. There's no way that there's nine hours of content that's gonna be interesting, but the way you can look at it is pretty much a free audiobook. So okay. Dan Carlin, the guy that does it, he has a broadcasting background. He's he's kind of like an amateur historian, and super interested in history. And he'll piece together narratives from all these different history books and for this one, he, he tells a story of Genghis Khan, or as I learned, Genghis Khan, I guess is the proper pronunciation is the, what he called him. Uh, it was just fascinating. He, he talked about things like how Genghis Khan was uh, responsible for more uh, deaths and changes in the course of history than probably any single person uh, ever. And he just goes through the whole history of the Mongols, and he does it in a way that's just very captivating and each episode's a couple hours long and it's actually a four part series I think, but oh, wow. I highly recommend checking that out and just check out the first half hour. See if, if you dig it, but uh, I'm pretty confident that you'll love it if you check it out and stick with the whole multi-part series. Okay. And then the podcast that I, one of my favorite podcasts, like I mentioned is 99% invisible. And I know most people listening are probably very aware of this show, but I did want to recommend an episode that – it was one of my uh, – I came across some article that recommended 99% Invisible episodes. So this is one of the first ones I checked out. So it kind of has a special place in my heart. Sure. And it's called Inflatable Men. And I won't even say what it's about. I'll just say look up Inflatable Men by 99PI and and listen to it. And it's, it's a pretty awesome episode that's it's worth
0: checking out. Okay. And I'll include that, um, both those links in the show notes just in case anybody wants to have a quick link to it. Awesome. But I wanna thank you so much for being my second guest. I hope um I hope this was all you had hoped it would be. Yeah. Sure. Adela,
1: thank you. This was this was actually a lot of fun. I I uh didn't know what to expect, but this was a blast. So thank you so much for, you know, even thinking to allow me to come up with this theme. I had a lot of fun, you know, learning about and Talking about creativity and then even talking uh, about it with you was a blast. So thank you.
0: Anytime. Thanks. Thanks for joining me and Eric as we explored the theme of creativity. You can sign up for Eric's newsletter at HurtYourBrain.com. So next month, the theme will be climate change. Find the episode lineup at PodcastBrunchClub.com slash climate change. Finally, if you're interested in supporting Podcast Brunch Club, consider becoming a patron or a sponsor. As a patron, you'll get additional content and know that you're helping to continue building this amazing community. Visit patreon.com slash podcastbrunchclub for more information. If you would like to sponsor or advertise with PBC, visit podcastbrunchclub.com sponsors. Thanks, and happy listening!